and I've noticed, I mean, I, I noticed the last several times that Wilson tends to schedule me when he's not here and, and when the a lot of members of our congregation also are not here yeah, at a retreat. Now, if I'm a positive, thinking about it positively, I can say, okay, well, he, he trusts me. You know, he, he's willing to let me speak when he doesn't fear that I'll lead the congregation astray. Um, if I wanted to be negative, it might be that he doesn't want as many people to hear me speak. <laughs> um, I, I choose to think of it in a, in a positive um, sense. Um, and besides the fact, uh, besides which, our, our awesome you know, technology team in the back there records these, these messages, and so anyone can, can post them on our Renew website and Facebook page, and, and so people can hear um, from past messages. So if you've ever missed a, a message in the past, you know, feel free to go on the Renew webpage and look um, for those past messages. Um, if you're wondering about Belinda's reference about my street racing. <laughs> that's, that's in one of the past messages as well. Um, so a shout out if you're listening to one of those podcasts, the recordings, here's a shout out to you. I, I just want to recognize that you're listening to this recording. Okay. Now, let's, uh, let me start with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for for your word and for fellowship and for relationships that you give us um, both here on earth as well as with, um, with you. And we ask, Father, that you're, by your spirit that you may continue to build these relationships and the fellowship um, as we draw closer to you, we draw closer to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. So my topic for today is on... Um, is on fellowship, and it's continuing our, our series on Christian habits, good habits uh, as Christians, as believers. Okay, so the habit of fellowship, um, in the past we talked about the habit of going into God's word, the habit of prayer. Um, again, podcasts, listen to them if you missed them in the past. Um, and so today we talk about the, the habit of fellowship. Now, I'm, I'm not a naturally social person. Um, I, I'm very much kind of on the, the, the introvert side of things. You know, I draw energy. I need time by myself and away from people and some quiet to, to recharge. Um, you know, some of you are more on the extrovert side where you gain energy from being with people and fellowshipping and having a lot of, 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 of people around. That's where you get recharged from. That's not me. Okay, so, so when I... Um, in the past, uh, this is also my in a past life. I used to, I served as a pastoral intern. I started. Um, I went to seminary, and when I started, um, I started serving as a pastoral intern at at a church uh, called UCC, which is happens to be the church that Wilson, uh, Pastor Wilson, grew up in, and. And that was a bit of a challenge, quite a challenge for me, because of the fact that I'm not naturally a person that likes leading a group or standing in the front of, uh, of people and leading. So, um, so the idea of taking a group of, and at that time it was mostly like junior hires, you know, young, young kids, uh, under my wing and leading them, and I was just, you know, again, fresh out of college, just in seminary, I was like 21 years old. Um, that was definitely a challenge for me, okay? And um, 
I'm glad for that opportunity. I think I grew and learned and was able to come out from my shell more because of those experiences and leading. Um, but I remember when I first, early on, we had the, uh, I was encouraged that we need to have some activities with the, the, the young people to build fellowship, to build binding and relationships and, and things like that. So, so I decided to plan a trip to take our junior hires to Universal Studios, okay? And um, so we had a group of about 20 junior hires at the time, and it was me and another um, a counselor, a college, she was a college student at the time as well. Um, and we decided to take a group of about 20 junior hires to Universal Studios. Now, we didn't want to this, like, you know, inconvenience the parents, um, you know, to drive us to Universal Studios and I don't know what they would do during the whole time there and then drive us back. So I decided that we were going to take some public transportation, okay, and make use of LA's wonderful metro system. So we, so we went on the, the metro link, uh, the big, big train, went down to Union Station, and then from Union Station we had to take, you know, walk through from blocks, take a bus to Universal Studios, and, and, and it worked great. You know, we got there safely. Um, all of us made it there, um, which is good. Uh, I, I remember just, just counting to 20, like every five minutes in my head, just to make sure we had every every one, every like five, every couple minutes. Um, so, so we had a good day at Universal Studios. We we're on the way home, and some of the kids wanted to go to the gift store to buy some souvenirs to remember um, the trip. And and unfortunately, some of them took a lot longer than they were supposed to, because we had to catch, there was you know, a schedule for the train, and, and if we missed this train, we would have to wait like an hour, an hour and a half. Again, LA's wonderful metro system uh, for the next train. So it was like, okay, we gotta make sure we get to the train station on time to catch the train. But because they were stalling, um, we, when we time we got to under the bus stop to ride the bus to Union Station, there was such a long, long, long line. Okay? And so we were waiting there in the line for a while. We saw a bus come. It was full, and so it, just, it didn't even stop. It just drove on. Okay? And it's like, okay, that's not going to be good. Um, we saw another bus coming, and it was full, and it drove on. It's like, okay, we're going to miss the train if we're just waiting here, because we're still pretty far back in the line. So I looked on the map and saw that this was before Google Maps. Okay? This is a long time ago. <laughs> I looked on a paper map. And it showed that there was another bus stop about like 10 blocks away. I was like, oh, okay. We'll walk about 10 blocks and you know, we'll, we'll probably be a much shorter line because it's not everyone from Universal Studios trying to get there. So I said, okay, let's, let's go, let's go, let's walk. And, and we walked for a while and I realized, you know, it was like, where's the street? Where's that, where's that first block? And I realized that that map only showed the major intersections. And that, in fact, each block is actually about four or five city blocks <laughs> itself. And so we were walking through downtown Hollywood. It was getting dark with about 20 junior hires. <laughs> um, and we were, just, we were just like, okay, this is not good. But we're, you know, it's like trying to think, okay, do we turn back? We're definitely going to miss the bus if we do that. You know, do I keep walking forward? Um, I remember at one of the intersections, some drunk guy came up and tried to start a fight with one of our junior high boys. <laughs> I was like, this is really bad. And then finally, like, um, when the sidewalk ended, we're like, okay, this is 
we can't do this. Uh, now, I turned around and looked around, and there happened to be a sign that said, Safe Haven. And I was like, that sounds good. So I knocked on the door, and it was a fire station. It was a fire station, so I knocked on the door and told the firefighters, okay, here's our story. Can we, like, camp out here and call the parents and get a ride? And say, sure, come on in. And, and, um, and so we called the parents, and they came, and, like, some caravans, cars came. And I was, like, going, you know, this is... This is going to be bad, you know. This is my, I'm just starting out as a pastor intern here, and what are the parents going to think? This, you know, driving out to Hollywood and putting the kids at risk. Um, and it turned out that was, that was the best part of the trip. <laughs> just, just, we got on the cars, and the first thing the kids were saying were just, you know, man, those firefighters was awesome. I'm going to remember this trip for the rest of my life. It was so awesome. Just, just being able to hang out with those firefighters, sitting on the truck, you know, play through the sirens and everything, the lights and everything, and, and just some good conversations even there. And so that was my first big fellowship experience, and it was a great one because the kids, you know, still remember that, that trip. We, can still, we still reference that every so often. Um, but so we are called to live as believers we're called to live in fellowship and i you know there's various groups we can use as examples i, I chose you know fellowship of the ring lord of the rings a big fan um, of that and um but the christian faith is meant to be lived in relationship okay both with other believers as well as in a relationship with god that's that's how we were made we are called to live in relationship with people we are naturally we are social people not necessarily like personality social, but we are called to, we are not meant to live on our own. Even God, as through the Trinity, represents that perfect relationship between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when God created us, we are called to have a relationship with each other as well as with, with Him. So the passage we're looking at for today um, is Mark chapter 2. Feel free to turn to that or, or you can look on the screen. So let me read it for us, uh, starting in verse 1. When he returned to Capernaum, and that's referring to Jesus, when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And this paints a little picture of, of fellowship in several different levels. Um, first of all, just in verse 2, it says that the people were gathered together in fellowship. They're doing based pretty much like you know, what we're doing now. We're gathered together, we're hearing the word um, now, they had the opportunity of having the privilege of hearing directly from Jesus, and it says that the, the room was full, and they were, um, there's no room uh, for, for anyone else. Okay? Now, the other layer that I want to focus on for today is these four guys who brought their friend, this paralyzed man, okay? and they were trying to bring him to Jesus. Okay? And it says because there was no room, they couldn't bring him you know, through the door or anything like that. They had to make a hole in the roof of, of, the, of the building. Now, in, in, when you look at some commentaries or descriptions of the houses at the time, a lot of these houses at the, during this time 
um, had these kind of flat roofs, and in fact, the roof itself was probably could serve as a meeting place. You could go up onto the roof and, you know, and, and, and spend some time there. There's a flat area with little walls, and it's, it's just a place to hang out, okay, because to, to take advantage of the cool of the night. And stuff. So, so they went up there, and they dug a hole through the roof in order to lower this paralyzed man down to, to Jesus. And I want us to focus on, in verse 5, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to prayer, like, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, what I want us to notice here is that it says when Jesus saw not the faith of this paralyzed man, but when he saw their faith, that is the faith of the ones who had brought the man to Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, it was the faith of the other believers to help bring the crippled man to a healing encounter with Jesus. And that's a big part of what it means to be living in fellowship that as a group of believers, that, that we share this mutual faith and that through this faith, we bring each other and we encourage each other, we can bring each other to a relationship, to an encounter with God. Facing life alone can be very discouraging and disheartening. Just when you're, if you don't have anyone um, around you that you can count on, to support on, to, or that you can... Um, ask for help or that you can uh, share what's going on to you, that can be very, very, very discouraging. We need others to lift us up and carry us through when we are down. And so um, for myself, even just, just as, as a parent, I, can, I see the importance of, of that. There are times when I don't want to, to be a good parent. Hey, there are times I'm discouraged, I'm just so tired, and I don't want to be a good parent. I just want to be a normal, selfish human being and just not have to worry about these other little lives that are my kids. <laughs> okay? And so during those times, I mean, I count on just being, it's, it's just a, such a relief to have like my wife, Marion, to, to, to rely on, to take over, and to, to do things, and, and vice versa. There are times when she doesn't want to be a good parent, and then I'm need to step up and, 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 and support her. Um, and then there are times when we're both down and then we can go to like our parents and the grandparents. And so it's such a blessing when you have those that are around you that you can count on for support um, when you need it. As a fellowship, as a group of body of believers, we need to look for those who are downtrodden and discouraged. Um, and come around them and bring them before God, even if they may not have the ability or, or maybe even at that moment, the desire to, to come before God. We need to be able to, a group where we can look out for each other and find out and understand, see when we are in need, when there's those around us who, who have needs, both physical needs as well and emotional needs and spiritual needs, okay? It's... it's um, now, with this, this crippled man, you know, this, this man has probably been, or it said he was paralyzed. Um, we don't know if it was, he was paralyzed from some accident or if he was born this way. Um, but he had a very obvious, a very um, clear need. And so when these believers were able to come around him and bring him to Jesus to have those needs met. Now, it's not always going to be that obvious. A lot of times there are those, 
of us who may be going through, who have needs that aren't obvious, that aren't always, as, as, uh, that aren't being broadcast out. Um, it's not always easy to see. Now, again, for me, myself, I'm, I'm not a, uh, an extroverted person. I don't, I'm not the kind that goes around and uh, gives updates of my life and my ups and downs um, to, to anyone that I see. Um, and I'm sure there's others of you who are here who can relate to that, that you may think just, well, I don't want to necessarily take attention away from, from someone else. Maybe someone else has deeper needs, you know, so I don't want to just to ask for it and, and take it away from someone else. These are the people who tend to be, you know, maybe just the quiet, um, not outspoken, the, the, the nice people <laughs> that, are, that are out here. Not to say that those who are expert are not nice. I'm just, it's, it's the ones that are just always looking out for others, but not for necessarily for themselves. But, but we have those needs as well. And sometimes it is so valuable to be, when you have someone to come up to you and, and say to you, how are you doing? And not just kind of as a way of greeting, you know, where you expect the answer to be just fine, but someone who actually comes and says to you, how are you really doing? You know, I have this time, I wanna take this time to hear how you're really doing. And that is so valuable to, to the people who aren't by nature you know, outspoken about their own needs. So be, I pray that we can, as a congregation, can be a safe environment where when someone does have a need that they will feel safe to be able to say that out and know that we, they have our attention. Um, it can, like I said, it's not always easy uh, to see. Um, my, my day job, I guess you could say, um, is uh, as a director of technology at, at a school, it's a Christian school, uh, Ontario Christian School, and um, we have a, a one-to-one Chromebook program for our, for our students. That means like for all the students in grades six through 12, um, they have a school-provided Chromebook that they uh, use at school as well as at home for as a learning uh, portal, as a, uh, as a personal learning um, device. And just in order to safeguard our students, you know, when they're at home, when, you know, um, they're not silly under supervision all the time, um, as well as to, to keep them focused on school stuff, we do have a web filtering uh, built in on the devices. And our, the web filter that we have has a feature where it will send notifications to us, um, to the administrators, um, if a student accesses a site you know, with some certain keywords or, or, or things like that, certain searches and certain words that um, can trigger an alert. And, and we have had a few instances in the past several years where um, you know, I was alerted to a student doing searches on uh, using terms like suicide and depression. And, and we, we looked into a little bit more when we alerted to that. We looked at the browsing history and, and saw that this wasn't just some casual searches, but there were concrete ones, like, how do I kill myself? You know, or, um, and there, there are very specific searches that, that definitely raise um, our alarm. And so because of those alerts, I was able to notify you know, our school counselors and teachers to kind of just 
bring the student in and be able to talk to them, ask them, hey, hey what's, what's going on? How are things doing? And really have, take the opportunity to listen. And, and, and these were, in fact, if we really were students, we're going through issues and, and hadn't made mention them to, to parents or necessarily to friends. Um, and they were just trying to keep it all inside themselves, but yet they were suffering. And so to have the, someone then to take them a, aside and ask them and be able to talk to them, that, would, that was a really valuable thing. And for us as a body of believers, you know, we don't necessarily have a spiritual or emotional alert feature within our church. Um, but I do believe that, that God, through his spirit, does provide prompting to us. And that I hope that we can be open to the times when the Spirit, that we can pray for the Spirit to open our eyes and, and bring attention and, and just alert us if there are certain situations, certain people within our, our, our community that do have these needs. Um, I do believe that the Spirit can and does do that. Um, at the same time, speaking to those of us who are more of those quiet and, and less less expressive um, members of our congregation. I do want to encourage and hope that you will see this as a community um, and that you have those around that you feel safe to be able to share with. If there really are is, is things going on, please don't hesitate to tell someone. Please don't hesitate to let someone know when you're going through some specific needs. Even Again, physical, financial, spiritual, emotional needs. We want this to be a community where we are all feel safe to be able to, to share that because we understand that all of us are humans. We are all fallible. We're not meant to be perfect. We, this is you know, the sign at the front of the door that's been at the door for our church since the beginning of, of this church has been for imperfect people only. So when you share that you have a need or that you have this, um, that, that things aren't going well, that's normal. That is perfectly normal. Um, what would be extraordinary, what would be impossible, is for someone to not never have any needs at all. Um, talking about fellowship, coming back to this, uh, this role about fellowship, we as a fellowship, or fellowship requires a purpose. Without common purpose, it's just friendship. Okay, fellowship is more than just being friends and having you know, good personalities and something, personalities that click together, but there is a purpose involved. Um, now, in today's society, you can have a, you know, because with the internet and Facebook groups and things like that, you can have a group uh, or like a fellowship around just about any topic. Um, my wife is, uh, part of these uh, several groups devoted to, to monarch butterflies. Okay, she's part of a few of these groups where they can talk about how to raise butterflies and care for them and, and just discussion about things um, like that. It's a great, great you know, community um, gathered around a specific purpose. Um, I'm part of a really important uh, and life-changing group called Starships of the Universe, <laughs> where we talk about just really just critical things like you know, which version of the Enterprise was, was the best? Or, you know, if you had, you know, Starfleet spaceships battling against, uh, you know, the Cylons and Ballastar Galactica, who would win? <laughs> okay? Um, and we also share, you know, awesome pictures of spaceships, like that one. 
And my own personal favorite, of course, Serenity. Okay, Serenity Firefly plans? Who's a fire? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, so, so fellowship, of course, you know, you can have this kind of horizontal um, relationship. So fellowship around some, some topic like this is a horizontal relationship. But Christian fellowship is distinguished in that we have the vertical relationship with God. Um, this, this, the horizontal and vertical relationships work together to bring us closer to God as well as with um, each other. And this little illustration that I find um, kind of helps to, to, to show that. This is usually meant for when you're talking about like a, a husband and wife relationship, this, this little triangle thing here, um, where the idea is that you know, we have the relationship with, with a spouse or you know, in this case with fellow believers, and we have that relationship, vertical relationship with God. And as we draw closer to God, going up that vertical relationship with God, that also brings us closer horizontally to, to each other. So the purpose, the goal of, of fellowship is to continue to spur, spur each other to that closer relationship with God. And as a result of that, we also draw closer um, to each other. It's a mutual relationship that, um, but the focus is, is always to bring us closer to God. And so for these, you know, back in that Mark passage, when these believers brought their crippled friend, they brought him to the only one who could truly heal the friend, okay? And not just the physical healing as well, okay? In, verses, in verse 5, you know, again, um, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, son, he didn't say, you know, be healed, get up and walk. He said something that's really kind of weird. He said, Jesus said to this man, son, your sins are forgiven. Okay. And so there were some teachers of the law that were there um, listening to, to Jesus, and they caught that, and they recognized that that was weird as well. And it says that some of the Pharisees were sitting there questioning in their hearts, and they said, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Hey, now, blaspheming is the idea where is probably one of those grievous sins where you're claiming you're, you're attributing yourself to God. I mean, that you are claiming to be God. You're doing something that only God is supposed to do. Now, why is saying, son, your sins are forgiven to this man equivalent to blasphemy? Um, I use Ben. Just, if Belinda, like, slaps Ben, okay, she would never do that. That's just not her personality. Um, but if she did, okay, Belinda t- went up to Ben. Ben did something. Belinda, like, or Ben didn't even do anything. Belinda just went up and slapped him, okay, for no reason. It wouldn't really work for me to say to Belinda, Belinda, I forgive you. It's okay. Okay? Why, why, why would that not work? Because I'm not the one that was slapped. Okay, I can't forgive Belinda for something that she did to Ben. Only Ben can forgive Belinda for um, if he was hurt or, or, or wronged by Belinda. Okay, so when we sin, when we're talking about sin, who is the one that it's, is sinned against? When we are sin, when we um, are sin, it is God that we have sinned against, and so only God can be the one who can say to someone, your sins are forgiven, 
And that's what these teachers of the law, these scribes, were, were catching, were, were recognizing, that no one can say to another person, your sins are forgiven, the sins that you've committed against God, except God alone. Okay? And that's why they said they thought that Jesus was blaspheming, because he was doing something or claiming to be able to do something that only God could do. And so it says in verse 8 that immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? And I've thought about that like, often, and it's kind of, what is easier to say? I mean, physically, just to say it, Either one is, you can say it. Anyone can say either of those things, okay? But I think what Jesus is meaning here is, which one can you say and really mean, okay? Or which one can you prove, okay? And in that case, I would say, anyone can say your sins are forgiven, and no one can really recognize and say, well, yep, that went true, that came true, or no, that's not true, okay? But if you say, if I say, to a paralyzed man, get up, take up your mat, and walk, it'll be very clear whether that statement was true or not by the fact of whether this man actually gets up and walks. So Jesus made that first statement, son, your sins are forgiven, something that only God can say. But then he follows that up in a very visible way by saying to this man, rise and it says in verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So Jesus made that statement, son, your sins are forgiven, something only God can do. And then he backed that statement up by doing something else that only God can do, the miracle of healing a man who was paralyzed, to show to those who are around us, to the teachers of the law, as well as all of those who were there to see that he was God, that he is God, that he has the authority to, to heal, and that he also has the authority to forgive sins. And that is our purpose for our fellowship that it is a fellowship with this, this God who has the authority for, for this physical healing, but even more important, for the spiritual healing that all of us, as the fallen people, need. As a body of believers, again, I hope that we can be such that that all of us around us, that all of us who are here in this community can safely come and have this horizontal relationship where we can come and, meet and express our, our needs, our physical needs, um, our emotional needs. Um, but as a body of believers, because this is a Christian fellowship, that the most important need that we can point each other to is our spiritual need for God. That vertical relationship is what will bring the, the true lasting healing um, for all of us. I talked about the need to be able to look out for um, those that are, 
are hurting, but not in obvious ways. Um, and I pray that we will also always be alert to that, that we will always be ready to, to lend an ear, to be able to listen, um, and to, to do what we can to meet those needs that are expressed um, to us. And I want to do this then now just in, as, we, as we are getting ready to close this time, um, kind of as is tradition for, for here at Renew, that we have a little time of discussion. But in this case, I want this time where it, I'm going to invite us to break off into little groups of you know, three to even five. I think a little bigger groups are okay for this kind of situation. But I want this to hope that we can make this a situation where for those of us who tend to be more of the quiet ones, um, the ones who may be in a bigger group setting or we may attend some of the small groups that we have at our church or some of the fellowship groups, but, but if we're not the ones that are usually sharing or expressing, I'd like to ask if maybe you can take this opportunity right here in this little safe environment to share if you have some kind of need that we as a body, as those, the, the small fellowship that's around you, can, can bring to the Lord in prayer and even some um, tangible needs that, that you may have. Um, so I hope that I like us to break up into these small groups and, and provide opportunity first for those who tend to not share in a normal setting. Okay, Maybe hopefully this will be a safe environment where as believers you know that you have the attention of those around you and can express that need to the Lord. So, so let's take maybe about five minutes or so just to share groups of three, four, five. Um, just make sure everyone's drawn in um, and, and let some of those, um, those needs be expressed. And then I'll close us our time. Um, those who shared specific needs, I pray... Um, if there's ways that we can follow up throughout the week and the weeks to come, um, I encourage us to do that as well. Um, let me just close with the last passage from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, that describes, again, this, this gives that example of the early church and the fellowship. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking the bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, joined the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Such an awesome example for us. Um, a little bit later, as we, the worship team um, does the closing set, we'll also be um, inviting you to, to gather together around the tables and the, on the two sides there to break that bread, that symbolic bread that represents the body um, and the blood of, of Jesus Christ. So in the same way as these believers um, you know, did the breaking of bread, you know, when we take that act, we are doing this together as a, as a fellowship, as a body, sharing this broken bread um, and acknowledging that relationship that we have with Jesus through, through this act and remembering what he's, did, what he's done um, and sacrificing himself for each one and every one of us. Let's pray. For Lord, Heavenly Father, we, um, as a body, we come before you together. We raise each other up um, before you, Lord, and we, uh, may your spirit be with us 
and, and encouraging each other and, 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 and helping all of us to be able to draw closer to you. I pray for those who are specifically among us who may be hurting, who may be um, spiritually paralyzed or, or in facing uh, specific physical um, emotional or financial needs we've, we've lift them up before you and even if um, pleased by your spirit help us to be able to draw to the, um, together and be able to lift um, all of these needs to, to you um, knowing that we in this life um, we may not have you know it's not we may not always have all that we may desire in a physical sense But because we have this relationship with you, that that surpasses all things. Help us build towards that each and every day. In Jesus' name.